title of this morning's message is Awareness of Our Spiritual Battle. Think about that for a moment. Awareness of our spiritual battle. Are you living with awareness that you are engaged in fighting a battle, engaged in a spiritual battle, fight the good fight of faith? Are you aware of that? Or are you like, oh no, I just want to be laid back and I just want to have just this middle ground where nobody bothers me. I don't bother anybody else. And you might say, John, it's, it's late in the year. I'm feeling tired. I want to tell you, fight the good fight of faith. You are in a spiritual battle. Even though it's late in the year, you need to keep your defenses up. You need to keep your armor on. You need to keep on praying because it's what we're called to do. Now, our scripture today is Ephesians 6, verse 10 to 20. I am reading from the New King James Version. Let's have a look at this. Here, Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Isn't that a good way to start off with? Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles Another translation says the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in high places, heavenly places. And because of this, because of that spiritual battle, therefore, Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. I discovered in preparing for this message that that is actually military terminology. Be able to withstand in this evil day and having done all to stand. In other words, you make war against the enemy when he comes to try and destroy your family or your marriage or whatever, and after you've won that battle, you stand and you're ready to make war again, to stand. Verse 14, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. That's a very old-fashioned way of saying, put your shoes on, shod your feet. And it says in verse 16, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Take note of that, in the spirit being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication in, for all the saints and for me. Paul's saying, pray for the saints, but also pray for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly. I want to ask you, do you ever open your mouth boldly about the things of God? Paul was praying for that. Open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Now, Paul was writing not from a hotel in the Caribbean, 
He was writing from prison. And take note, he didn't say to the people, please pray that I would get favor with the, the prison officials. Please pray for my early release because of what I need to do. He said, please pray that my mouth would be opened to boldly declare the word of God. There's something about Paul's perspective that always challenges us in the word of God. Many times we are thinking about ourselves. We are self-centered. And Paul was thinking about God because he said, if I think about God, if I think about pursuing his kingdom, then all these things shall be added unto me. So there are four things that I'd like to touch on based on this passage of scripture. The last of the four is a very short point. But number one, the only genuine power that mankind can possess is found in the almighty God. Why don't you say that with me? The only genuine power that mankind can possess is found in the Almighty God. The problem is the world is looking for power in all of the wrong places and therewith comes bondage. It says in Ephesians 6 verse 10, it's on your screen. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the, what's that next word? Power of his might. I believe God wants us to be aware that in the spiritual battle that we face in life, we have to be strong in His power and in His might. And God is saying, be strong in my power. I believe He's saying this to you this morning. He's saying, be firm. Stand firm in my power. But sadly, many Christians are not standing firm in the power of God. They are being bullied by the enemy. They are being rough, run roughshod over by the enemy, and that is not God's plan. For some of us, we need to adjust our spiritual posture from being so laid back that you're almost lying down. Now wonder, there's not much victory in your life. And I believe that we need to stand. And I wanna to say to you, child of God, sir, ma'am, stand up as a child of God, stand up. Sometimes we've gotta fight off the spirit of passivity. And we've got to say, it's not going to find a place in my heart, not in my family. I will stand for my family. I will stand for my city and for my country. Shake off that spirit of passivity and say, thank you, Lord. I will be strong in the power of your might. Can you say amen? amen. Stand firm in that. And let me tell you that that's what God is saying to you, I believe, today. Stand firm in my power. Many times it starts with your confession. What do you confess? According to Joel 3 verse 10, it says, let the weak say, I am strong. Now the negative person comes along and says, well, what on earth is that going to do any good? I'm feeling weak. Now you say, I must say, I am strong. Oh, what a lot of nonsense. You know what? Just hush up, stop the negativity and confess what the word of God says. <laughs> Just keep quiet and declare what God says. What does the Lord say? Declare the weak, if you are weak, declare, I am strong. Won't you say that with me? I am strong. One more time. I am strong. Now say to the person next to you, you are strong. And yes, we know it's not in our own power, but it's in the power of God. And I believe that this message has been declared today because God wants to bring us to a place of renewed strength and renewed power, being clothed in his power. Power is an interesting thing. There's different aspects of power. 
I remember hearing Dr. Miles Monroe say one day, he said, you know, actually, everyone wants power. He said, no, not me. I don't want power. But actually, it's true. Everyone wants power. Whether it's financial power, power to influence, military power, power to change circumstances, or spiritual power, we all actually do want power. When you are desiring that promotion in your corporate environment at work, you're actually wanting power. Because you can come to a position of greater influence, you can maybe earn some more money that opens up options for you. There's actually nothing wrong with desiring power as long as it is within what God is speaking in your heart to desire that position. Because you realize it can change your situation. I think of America. America has for a long time been known as the superpower of the world, but they're not as strong as they used to be in certain senses. For instance, America wants financial power. And I think that the fact that their currency is not as strong as it used to be must be a real source of irritation and concern for them. And now the euro is so much stronger and the pound is so much stronger. You know what? They want greater financial power. Many of the nations of the world are looking for power in different respects. I think of China. They are looking for greater military power. Russia, do you think they want more power? You bet your bottom dollar. I think of North Korea. Do you think they want more military power? They certainly do, and they're pursuing all sorts of things, perhaps nuclear power, and all the details of that is not fully known, but there is this desire for power. The world, have you ever noticed, also has a fascination with spiritual power. Because, give you an example, in recent years, there have been so many movies that have been made that in some way look at the aspect of magic or supernatural power. Why is that? Why is there such a fascination? Because in our heart of hearts, God has placed a desire that we would desire His power. But the enemy always wants us to be sidetracked and look for the counterfeit, the cheap power. And God doesn't want you to look for the counterfeit. He wants you to know that your power is found in the almighty God. And that's the real type of power. Let me tell you, the enemy offers cheap power. It's an imitation. It's a counterfeit. The devil's power is actually easy to come by. But only God offers the real thing. Can I get an amen? It's only God that offers real power. Evil power is actually easy to come by. You can just begin to play a few occult games, and next thing you start to shift things around, and you're holding hands, and you send current through the group, and you can get demonic apparitions. It's actually quite easy. But let me tell you, you try that stuff, be warned. You will bring bondage and destruction in your life. Stay away from that. God's power, on the other hand, doesn't come at the drop of a hat. Yes, he wants to give it to us, but as we diligently seek him for it, God's power comes through things like humility, through servanthood. God's power comes through depending on the Holy Spirit. It comes through intimacy with Jesus. It comes through being Christ-like. It comes through waiting on God. They that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They will... Uh, run and not be weary, walk and not faint, and mount up with wings as eagles. They will be strengthened. 
That's what God's power does. And it's available to you and I. It's not out of reach. We just draw on God's power. We just ask Him. We depend on Him for it. So let me tell you, as you seek after God, His power and authority will become a greater reality in your life. And I would suggest to you that power is one thing, but authority almost goes to a next level. And I believe that as people of God, that when we open up our mouths, God wants us to speak with authority. Some people speak and their words just boink, boink, fall on the ground. They carry no weight. But God wants you in your working environment, when you open your mouth and begin to speak, that you actually carry the authority of God, the solutions of God, and you speak and your words carry weight. And next thing you see, they're changing those things in your company because you're speaking under the authority and the power of God. And it says in Ephesians 3 verse 16, that he would grant you to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. And you might be saying, John, I feel so weak today. You don't understand. I just had to drag myself to even come here to get to church today. And I want to say well done to you. But I want to say that God can strengthen you with mighty power by his spirit on the inner man. And even right now, in the name of Jesus, I speak strength to those hearts are weak. I speak strength to feeble knees. Would you receive it in Jesus' name? And I say, be strong, be strengthened with mighty power by his spirit on the inner man. Because when your inner man is strengthened, it affects your entire being. That's what it does. In 1 Samuel 17, 45, David said to Goliath, yes, David, coming against Goliath. He said to Goliath, you, Come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. Which one do you think is more powerful? I tell you, it's the name of the Lord of hosts. And the power that is available to you and I is called the power of God. And as I was just looking at that in my notes yesterday, it's as though my spirit even began to stir, thinking that there is so much in this that power of God is available to us. How many of you say, I receive more of God's power in my life today? Put up your hand if you agree with that. And it says in 1 John 4 verse 4, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Be assured that our God has the greatest power and he is the greatest power. Number two, know the type of enemy you face. Say that with me, please. Know the type of enemy you face. The type of enemy that we face is primarily a spiritual one. Perhaps it could have been nice if we could have just sort of seen, but God in his wisdom has determined that that's the way it would be. It's a spiritual enemy. And it says in Ephesians 6 verse 12, it says, For we do not wrestle, let's put it on the screen, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. So many times we think that we do. So many times we think it's that person in that organization and they are the problem. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of the age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. So I'd like to submit to you that those are not just random words descri describing a general spiritual battle. 
but they are actually four different categories of spirit rebels. Let me give them to you. The first one is principalities. Say principalities. These are beings of the highest ranking in Satan's kingdom. The next one is powers. Please say powers. Now, powers are those that carry out the instructions of those higher beings. In other words, the principalities give instruction to the powers and they say, go and do this, go and do that. And they follow out with those instructions of the principalities. The third aspect is rulers. Please say rulers. Now, these are evil spirit world rulers. And in many cases, rulers are over a geographical place where they've been given dominion. In terms of rulers, let me give you an example. Perhaps you can look at Amsterdam as an example. For many years, I don't know, 40, 50 years, there's been this place of tremendous sexual immorality, the red light district in Amsterdam, perversion, sexual immorality, etc. Every kind of vice is there. Now, I would submit to you that that is because of evil spirit world rulers that are right there. And because of things that people have done there in the past, they've given authority. And there is power over that area from those rulers. And that can only be dealt with by believers in repentance, prayer, and dealing with those things in spiritual warfare. But it doesn't matter how wicked an area is. God can turn a wicked area around like that and make it one of the greatest areas of sending missionaries to the nations of the world. The other one is spiritual hosts of wickedness. Please say that, spiritual hosts of wickedness. This is simply the many low-ranking evil spirits, the many demons that are out there to do the work of the devil. But let me tell you this. These four spirit level, uh, rebels, you and I are anointed to stand against and anointed to defeat. You say, really? They sound like so, you know. But you and I are anointed to defeat them. And I'll back that up from Scripture, Luke 10, verse 19 to 20. Here it says, Jesus said, Behold, I give you the authority over what? What's that next word? All. Say all. All the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. And so here the priority is it's so much more glorious to have our names written in heaven. Uh, and by the way, just at the same time, all these little spirit rebels are subject to you because Jesus said, I have given you all authority. So I want to say to you, child of God, stand up in the authority. Don't underestimate the power of your prayer. Don't underestimate the power of your prayer because you've been given authority. Begin to take that up. I want to say to you, stand up, child of God. Maybe this is what the Lord is saying to you as a rhema word today. Stand up, stand up. Now, 
in the spiritual battle, let's remember we're not fighting physical people, but we are fighting spiritual rebels that are influencing physical people. Now, let me just make a comment here about our nation. There is, in case you haven't realized, a spiritual war going on in our nation right now. It's a spiritual war between light and dark. It's a spiritual war fighting for the soul of this nation. And I believe that light will triumph over darkness. And I believe that we will be victorious and the nation will honor God, but we need to pray as the church of Jesus Christ. And God puts that responsibility before you and me because as we humble ourselves and pray and seek God's face and turn from our wicked ways, then will he hear from heaven, forgive our sins and heal our land. It's as we stand in the authority that things begin to change. And sometimes we think, well, we pray against a particular government or you praying against a particular municipal office or municipal leader. And I wanna tell you, that's not actually the case. We are praying into the spiritual realm to those spirit rebels that are controlling those people. Realize it is indeed a spiritual battle. Number three, know the armor that you have been given. Say that with me, please. Know the armor that you have been given. And in Ephesians 6, 14 to 17, it lists the armor of God there. How many items of armor can you pick out from that list? There are six items of armor, six different aspects of spiritual armor, and they fall into two categories. The first category is the, def is the uh, defensive armor, and five aspects fall in there, and the second one is the offensive armor. So the defensive armor is the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness. I like to put it this way, gospel-ready shoes. The shield of faith and the helmet of salvation, those are there for your protection. And then you also have offensive armor, that's armor that you attack with, and that is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. I remember a pastor pointing out to me, he said, did you notice that in the armor of God, there's nothing to clothe you on the back? It's almost like those hospital gowns, because you never run from the enemy. You stand and you face the enemy. You stand and you face it. You never run. Sorry, the hospital gowns painted pictures in your mind. eyes. Oh, golly. So it's so amazing that God has given us this armor. Let me say to you, there is no need for armor unless there is a war. There is a war. And I wanna say to you that you are clothed with the armor of God. Now, a little question here. Are you as believers supposed to go through a little prayer every day where you put on each component of the armor? Does God expect you to say, okay, I put on the helmet of salvation, the breastplate, one by one by one. Does God expect that of you? And everybody says, hey, no. <laughs> Sorry, I, I, I might have tricked you a little bit there. You see, the legalistic Christian would love to say, yes, oh, brother, how can you face that world of iniquity without putting on the helmet and the belt and the go off? And beyond that, you need to also say the Lord's Prayer 
You need to fast until breakfast time. You need to spend time on your knees in prayer. You have to anoint your head with oil. And let me tell you, you'll get into so much legalism and bondage when you come to that sort of stuff. I do not agree with that outlook. People shouldn't feel condemned unless they go through this ritual. No, you don't need to go through a, a daily ritual. Rather, we should be continually clothed with the armor of God. Do you say amen to that? Continually clothed with it. We should be continually clothed with truth, with righteousness, faith, salvation, God's word. And it says in verse 11 of the same chapter we're looking at, it says, put on the whole armor of God. The Greek word there for put on is the word enduo. It means to be endued. In other words, we should just be endued. We should just be vested with the armor of God. And I find that very encouraging and very liberating just to be endued. It's the same word which was used in Luke 24, 49 when Jesus said, wait in Jerusalem till you receive the, the promise from on high and you are endued with power. I want to say in the same way that you are endued with the power of the Holy Spirit, you are endued with the armor of God. And we simply need to allow God to endue us, and I find that liberating, don't you? Now, say this after me, please. Thank you, Lord, that you endue me with heaven's armor in Jesus' name. The last one, number four, I said would be very brief, and it is. Know the importance of prayer and spiritual warfare. Please say that with me. Know the importance of prayer and spiritual warfare. Now, when we looked at the armor of God, did you notice that prayer was not included? You've got the sword, the breastplate, the helmet. Prayer is not included. But even although prayer is not specifically included in the armor of God, let me tell you, it plays a hugely significant role in our spiritual warfare. Prayer plays a huge role. And in the same chapter, Ephesians 6, but in verse 18, prayer comes out clearly. Look at what it says. It says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication. And I just want to say, it says there, praying, and it speaks about in the Spirit. I want to encourage you, if you've never experienced the fullness of the Holy Spirit, the baptism, and the ability to speak in the gift of tongues, get hungry for it. Come to one of your spiritual leaders and say, pray for me. I desire that tongue. Let me tell you, I so love to pray in the Spirit. Just now when we were doing it as a congregation, wasn't that lovely? I love it. I could actually pray for a considerably longer period in the Spirit. Just by a way of show of hands, how many of you love to pray quite long in the Spirit? Raise a hand if that's you. Oh, that's lovely. We should hang out more together. <laughs> and so let's continue to pray in the Spirit corporately, but not only here, privately as well. When you're driving alone in your car, it's one of the best times. You just begin to pray in the Spirit and I believe that we should become more passionate about prayer and spiritual warfare because we certainly fight a spiritual battle. The last scripture 
as I draw things to a close, 1 Timothy 6 verse 12, it says there, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of eternal life to which you were called. And, and you might be here today and you're feeling really tired. You're feeling like you don't have much ability to fight the good fight of faith. Well, be encouraged that you fight it in Christ Jesus. You fight it in the might and in the power of the Lord. And I want to encourage you, keep on fighting that good fight of faith. Can you say amen? amen. Won't you stand as we close in prayer? Nobody leaving right now. Let's just stand as we pray. Dear Father, your word is clear. And we hear your word. And now we want to be responsive. And we thank you, Lord, that you have endued us with the armor of God. And I pray that a new passion would arise, that we would not just allow things that the enemy tries to throw at us, but that we would stand firm. And having done all, that we would stand and that we would be in submission to you and that we would resist the devil and he will flee. We declare over our lives that fear is broken. We declare over our lives that greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. And now I pray that in my heart and in your people's heart that you would stir prayer and that you would stir spiritual warfare in a new way. We declare victory over our lives, over our families, over our marriages, over the city and over this nation. And we give you thanks in Jesus' mighty name. And we all say thank you, Jesus. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand.